0: Hey, everybody. Today, Roto Talks through episode 39 of the podcast, and it's going to be all Gen Con, all the time. I am not going to be doing Q's and A's. I am not going to be revisiting top 10s or doing games of interest. Today, I am just going to walk you through a list of, I believe, around 70 games. 10 of which, the top 10, I would not leave Indianapolis without. That's where Gen Con is, right? In Indianapolis, I believe? Indiana? Anyway, I would not leave the convention without, and then I will be talking about another 60 or so that I'd be very, very interested in acquiring. Now, in years past, I've also done games I'm going to demo. I'm not going to do the demo coverage this year. Sorry, folks. I just don't have the time to do the research If I've got time after I'm done with the top 10, which is what I'm going to do first, and then the other 60, which is what I'm going to do next. If I've I've got time before i got to get back to work here because I'm in Belfair trying to pack up my mom's house all by myself because Jen is away at a family reunion. So if I have time, I will also try to cover the expansions worth seeking out. But I promise nothing at this point. Check back with me later. Or just check the show notes where I will have already noted whatever is going to be listed. But folks... Enough of the preamble. Are you Jen Conning or Jen Canting? I don't know. Either way, we'll be back right after this. <music> Okie doke. Top 10 time. Let's just get right to it, folks. These are the 10 that I think you gotta get. Starting with number 10, Chimera Station. Now, this is one I already did a run through for when it was on. Kickstarter last year, and actually, I even did an update because I got the final commercial release. So, the fact that Chimera Station is on the Board Game Geek Gen Con 2018 preview, I assume that means it is getting launched into public retail. So, for folks who already had it because they backed the Kickstarter, you know what I'm talking about. This is a very, very cool special worker placement game. For folks who don't, who haven't played it, It's really cool. Go check out my run-throughs. Long story short, we are alien races working together, well, semi, really competitively, but being the best at trying to contribute to a communal space station. But the interesting thing is our aliens can morph and grow and evolve over time with these cool little plastic minis that snap together to represent the different powers and abilities you give your workers. It's so cool, very fun. Uh, Lots of replayability. Super sharp. It's my number 10, Chimera Station. Then we got number 9, Tiny Epic Defenders 2nd Edition. Now, I love me some Tiny Epic Defenders. I've uh, in the past been known to defend Tiny Epic Defenders from those who would uh, cast aspersions upon it. But when the 2nd Edition went on Kickstarter, I think it was earlier this year, back in January maybe, I was so blown away. The new 2nd Edition really elevates the core game, but in all honesty, I don't know if it would make it onto the list if it weren't for the fact, uh, there's a little bit of a spoiler for any expansion portion of this show, the, uh, the Dark Wars, or is it Dark World, expansion is going to be available as well. These two things put together really elevate Tiny Epic Defenders beyond its original Kind of humble beginnings of just a tiny little box and a fun little fantasy cooperative adventure game uh, that kind of cribs a little bit of pandemic card deck management but does some very very cool stuff with lots of great replayability. All that stuff has been enhanced and tweaked and improved immeasurably and the sec- and, and, and it's gorgeous now as well. The art has really been gone up in quality as well, which is why number nine is Tiny Epic Defenders' second edition. Then we got number eight, another game I played. And, uh, but I guess it's on uh, Eric Martin's list, so I'm not going to question the man. The Welcome To is a very, very cool roll and write. If I had played it in time, it would have made my top ten roll and writes of all time, and it probably would have ranked pretty high. I've done a rundown for it. And actually, sometime later in August, I will be doing a full run-through. Unfortunately, that's going to be a little late for people going to Gen Con. But trust me, folks, if you like roll-and-write style games, this is one to seek out. And for my money, it is the... Epitome. It is the perfect example of how theme can be wended into an otherwise abstract roll and write to really elevate the experience. By the way, I haven't said what it is. It is a game of suburb development management by rolling dice, or I'm sorry, but not rolling dice. Oh, there are no dice in this game. The dice rolling has been replaced with card drawing. There's always a set of six cards in three different pairs. You pick a pair that tells you what you're going to do in a given round. Everybody's working from the same Basic actions available, and everybody tries to make the best suburb possible. Again, you can watch my rundown, the rundowns are so quick and easy to watch, you'll get a pretty good idea of what it's all about. And sometime later in August, I'll be doing a full run through of my number eight. Welcome to then on to number seven. Oh man. I so fell in love with this game the first time I played it years ago, and it is so exciting that it is finally getting published in English. We no longer have to use paste-ups and other crappy solutions for Kashgar, Merchants of the Silk Road. Yes! This made my top 10 engine-building games. Is that right? Yeah, uh, and it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. I like to call it a triple deck builder, where you're building and running three decks at once. It is all about you know trying to make your fortunes on the Silk Road. You can watch the run-through I did a couple of years ago if you have never heard of it. It's phenomenal. It, is, it was one of the best games that came out that year. And finally, folks outside of Germany are going to be able to get their hands on number seven, Kashgar, Merchants of the Silk Road. Then we got number six, Warsaw, City of Ruins. And now, this is another one that I've already done a run-through for when it was called, in its first edition, Capital. This is a... Tile drafting and tile laying game that is absolutely brilliant, and I really do think it's smart of them when they're making this new English version to rename it because Capital was not a particularly inspired or, um, you know, evocative title for a game. But Warsaw City of Ruins, that I think fires the imagination a little bit more because players are competing to build, you know, the most prosperous suburb or you know, borough of Warsaw. But Warsaw is a city of ruins, it has survived so much, and you will. Spend a good deal of time building in this game, but also a good deal of time mitigating the uh, disastrous effects of World War I and World War II that will try to tear your city down. And then you have to build up even stronger. It's an incredibly sharp, fun game. Again, check out my run-through to learn why I rate this so highly. So much so, it's my number six, Warsaw City of Ruins. Now, so those first five Every single one of them were games that I've already played and run through. It's just that they are now finally available to a wider audience. I would definitely seek them out. The remaining five, numbers 5 to 1. Oh, I was about to say they're all brand new, but no, there is one more that i played. Oh, why am I doing this preamble? Let's just keep going. But this is a new game. I believe it's getting its launch at Gen Con. I thought we were going to have to wait till Essen to get it, so I hope I can get a copy, even though I'm not there. What is it? Carson City, the card game. Now, Carson City is a phenomenal old American West worker placement game where players are trying to contribute the most to Carson City, the the development of the real world Carson City. The developers, they've gone back to this really great design, and they've simplified it. They have streamlined it down, and I suspect introduced a lot of new gameplay to make a card game version of it, and I can't wait to see what they've done. Apparently a trick-taking element has been introduced because it is a card game. Now, i admit, I mean, some people would be very, very excited about that. It makes me a little nervous because trick-taking games are almost never compelling with two. And that's a shame because I love the idea of trick-taking. Maybe uh, the fact that there's so much more going on in a Carson City-inspired card game that it'll really elevate the trick-taking enough so that it works well with two. Fingers crossed. It's my number five, Carson City, the card game. Then on to number four, Detective. Oh man, I feel like I'm the last person in the world to play because I know pretty much all the other board game reviewers out there have gotten copies of it and covered it, but they just haven't sent me a copy. Come on, Portal, where? don't leave me hanging. I so want to play this game. Although, to be fair, I wouldn't have had a chance to play it over the last couple months with the insanity of my life because this is a game you really want to dive deep into. Players, I believe, are cooperatively trying to solve a series of murders in real world settings. Uh, this isn't, you know, set in Victorian England or anything like that. But, the interesting thing about it, as I understand it, is an equal amount of time is spent focusing on you know the physical components in front of you as you try to solve the the crimes, but you've also got to bring along a laptop because often your investigations will take you online and you will start web surfing and finding new stuff. You will search for hidden clues in websites and all kinds of stuff like that. You know this is the sort of oh what are they called ARGs. Um, like uh, augmented reality games that were a really big rave a few years ago. They still happen all the time, but the notion that there's a game going on all around us in the real world, and um, how is it going to pull in? I don't know what how exactly Detective does it, but I'm very excited to find out. So much so, it's my number four. But now let's talk about my number three most anticipated game of Gen Con, Coimbra which is apparently a—it's uh, another city-building game, a Euro resource management gathering, kind of victory point conversion-style game. You know I love those. What's most interesting to me about this, besides the really nice, sharp, very non-typical Euro-style art that it comes with, is the fact that this promises to have a very innovative and very outside-the-box approach to dice drafting. Now, dice drafting is my favorite game mechanism of all time. So if they're going to do something new and different with it, I want to be there with bells on. That is why I would definitely sink out Coimbra big time if I were at the show. But now let's talk about my number two. Hey! Remember earlier I was saying there aren't any more of these? No, I was wrong. There's one more game I've already got in my hands. I've already done the run-through for, and I think it's absolutely phenomenal. It's my number two. If I didn't already have it, I would beat feet to get it. It's Merlin. Why? Because it's from my favorite board game designer of all time, Steffen Feld, and I think it is the bee's knees. Jen and I absolutely adore it. Uh, We played it a few times. I did the run-through. We played it a few times since. It just keeps on giving. This is a game where we're knights of the round table, we dance wherever we're able, but more importantly, we um, use dice. It's basically a roll and move game. Uh, We use the dice to determine how far clockwise usually, although sometimes counterclockwise, we move around the round table, and wherever we land represents actions we'll do. And like a standard Steffenfeld game, there are tons of different actions, tons of different things we could focus on, and tons and tons of strategy. I have to admit, I'm perplexed and flummoxed the number of times I have heard some folks complain about how it's way too much of a luck fest. I don't know what game you're playing because this is a game that gives you so much control over those dice, and this game is so full to the brim of really tough, interesting, tense decisions. It is Steffenfeld... You know, um, you know, firing full cylinders. It's not his best game of all time. It's not going to be thrown Castles of Burgundy anytime soon. But it is absolutely excellent. We love it to bits. And all of the cool, queenie little expansions are going to be there available as well. So, I mean, those really open up the game and add so much more to Merlin, my number two most anticipated game of Gen Con. But finally, my number one, when I found out it was going to be there... Well, I I I had a little cry because I can't get it. I can't pick it up myself and I'll have to wait till getting sometime in the future. But man, my number 1 had to be Forbidden Sky. The third game in Matt Leacock's Mr. Pandemics trilogy of games that started with Forbidden Island which is okay it's good for families but then led to Forbidden Desert which is one of my favorite co-op games of all time it's easy in my top 5 brilliant game Forbidden Desert made my top 10 must have games if I was desert island style games and now the third game Forbidden Sky which is set in some kind of retro futuristic laputa style floating castle city in the sky something like that I don't know what I, I All I know is Forbidden Desert was so amazing. And you know, Matt's been working on this for a long, long time, so I expect absolutely phenomenal things. I imagine, like the previous Forbidden games, it'll have amazingly gorgeous components that just make you want to pick up and touch it, and the gameplay will be, I expect, very stellar. The reality is, I have not looked into it because I don't want to spoil the surprises. I, can't, I just want to learn how to play the game when it's right in front of me. So I, I know it's going to be great, uh, my only complaint is I'm kind of bummed that they are switching away from... I love the Forbidden Games having the tin boxes. I know some people hate them, but I, I like tin boxes. I think they're really, really cool. And it's kind of bummer that this one will come in a cardboard box. But hey, I'm, I'm sure that'll make some people happy. But that's a minor quibble in what would otherwise be my most anticipated game, Forbidden Sky. Phew! That was easy. Podcast over. Oh, wait. There's all the other games to talk about. Okay, folks. Hold on, and we will be right back all right everybody welcome back so i have rejiggered the geek list preview on board game geek for gen con and by the way if you've never checked out this preview tool they've got it's great it works really well it's very easy to filter the games by different parameters like price and publisher and all sorts of things. and it's made my life so much easier. so as I always do, I just want to do a big shout out to Eric Martin and everybody at board game Geek for, well, for making our geek lives just a little bit better. These guys and gals do so much for us and I'm so appreciative. But with that out of the way, let's talk about 60. Six zero additional games that I think are worth checking out at Gen Con. Apparently, each one of these will be available for sale. Like I said right up front, I'm not really going to be focusing on all the demoable games out there because I just don't have the time to do the research. But these would all be ones that I would be seeking out. And now, I have not ranked these. I'm sorry, I just don't have the time. What I've done is I've sorted this list based on thumbs, which is to say people who have been tracking this geek list are thumb the ones they want. And so I'm going to start with the lowest end, the games with the least thumbs. And so it will be a countdown of sorts, uh, basically uh, tracking how excited the board game geek user base is about these titles, if that's of any interest. So... Let's start out with Legendary Encounters, the X-Files deck-building game. And, honestly, I think this just got added to the list within the last 24 hours, because I would expect this to get a lot more than four thumbs, um, which is why it's so low. It's just that it's only... If I came back a couple of days later, I'm sure this would have climbed. But, I don't know. Had anybody even heard this was coming? An X-Files version of the Legendary deck-building system? Legendary started out with Marvel, you know, superheroes and whatnot. Uh, and, uh, you know, they've got aliens now, and... Gosh, I think. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China, all kinds of different series. And I have to admit, I have never tried any of them except for the original Marvel, which, I, Jen, I liked quite a bit, although maybe it was a little bit long. But the Legendary Encounter subset of games, they're interesting because they are pure cooperative. They're not semi-cooperative like regular Legendary. So I've always been interested in trying one, and maybe this is the one for me, because Jen and I, we both love X-Files. And I I could see that, you know, the whole dark conspiracy and, uh, you know, all the different characters and and all that from the series. That could be really good. So, um, I would definitely color me interested in Legendary Encounters, the X-Files deck-building game. Next up, we've got Woodlands. And I have to admit, I don't know much about this. Other than, well, I'll be honest, the two things. The cover art looks very sweet and charming. But more interestingly, this is, I understand it, is a real-time tile-laying game where uh, players each have the same basic forest-woodland layout in front of them with randomly generated characters who need to get to specific things And what you do is, once the timer starts, everybody races to lay down tiles that will create all the roads that connect all those items in the most efficient way possible. I think that sounds really cool. Uh, And I am definitely interested in checking it out. And uh, yeah, I would definitely want to give this one a play. Easy to play at the show, of course, because it's a real-time thing, just a real-time puzzler. And so you could probably bang out a demo really quick and decide whether it's worth it. But... Yeah, I I like the sound of this. It sounds like a good combination of mechanisms, so I would go check out Woodlands. But then we've got Dragon Master. This is crazy. Uh, It's from designer Reiner Knitia, who is really not known for his range of fantasy-themed games. And I guess this is actually a reprint of an earlier, more abstract game that he did. Uh, Let's see, it, it used to be called... Uh, Sono and Prisma, and then Robot Master, and now it's a new version that's come out that's tweaked things and given it a fantasy theme. I just think Reiner Konnichi is a brilliant designer. And uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever played a bad game from him. And you know, I played games I didn't particularly like, but they were still good games. So I expect this to be very good. I love fantasy settings, and while I'm sure the theme is probably pretty lightly pasted on, I'd still want to check out Dragon Master if I were there. Then we've got Almond Ray, the card game. I already have this. I've already done uh, videos for it. And, Jen, I think it's great. Especially considering the fact how well it works as a two-player game. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. What's this? Uh, My phone. Hold on, everybody. That's reminding me it's time to walk the dogs. But I actually walked the dogs before I started filming this portion. Look at me. Two steps ahead, as always. Anyway, so... Yeah, Almond Ray the card game, you can go watch my videos. It's a really cool auction game. It's interesting, and it takes some of the elements of the original Amon Ray, which, by the way, doesn't work for two at all, and melds in elements of raw and creates something kind of new and distinct from all the others while having kind of the same feel. Jen, I really liked it. It's a nice, fun, fast little card game. Plays well, too. Of course, plays better with more, as is often the case with auction games. But we really like it. I recommend it. It's Almond Ray the card game. Then we move on to Mesozoic, which I believe I talked about in a recent Games of Interest, so I won't spend too much time on it. I don't really have much to say about it, other than the fact that it's a, another real time—was um, it real-time card-drafting tile placement game. So that's interesting. I love real-time stuff. Always interested to do more. But the important thing is, it is from designer Florian Fay. And he did Apocalypse Chaos, which was an absolutely brilliant science fiction cooperative tower defense game. Literal tower, because you build a tower as part of setting up the game. And you defend it in three dimensions. Apocalypse Chaos was absolutely the bee's knees. So Florian is on my list of designers to watch. So I'm very interested in learning more about Mesozoic. Then we've got... Jung, uh, Jung, Jungle Law, Jungle Law, Jungle which is from uh, Hisashi Hiyashi, who is just on fire. You know, he came out of nowhere years ago. I'm sure he'd done other stuff, but I first became aware of him with trains, which was an absolutely brilliant design. But since then, he has put out some really big, high-ranking games. You know, uh, most notably uh, Yokohama. Uh, sail to India, string railways, uh, you know, the rolling America. Uh, really good stuff. He's a sharp designer. A Yokohama I absolutely adore. So I'm always interested in what he has next. And this sounds like a uh, a little dice rolling game, uh, you know, set in a jungle, you know, era of exploration type stuff. Don't know much more other than the fact, folks, that if any of this is interesting, if you like uh, Hiyashi Hisashi, uh, uh, Hisashi Hayashi's titles, um, if you like the idea of jungle exploration, if you like small dice rolling games, you want to run, not walk, because apparently there are only going to be 140 copies available for this at the show. So I expect it will be gone the first day, uh, because I'm sure there are plenty of folks out there who like his work and who like Tasty Minstrel Games, the publisher. So definitely, if you are at all interested, walk, don't run. Run, don't walk. Sorry, yeah, du- you know, live dangerously and check out um, D- uh, Jungler Law. Okay, then we've got Import Export, the Captain Edition, which is. Again, another game I've already covered uh, back when it was on Kickstarter. Oh, no, that's not true. I didn't cover it when it was on Kickstarter. I covered it after it came out, and I had a final version. Or did I do the Kickstarter? It doesn't matter. The important thing is I've already done a run-through, so you can see more. But this is basically a game that takes its inspiration from one of the best modern card games of all time, Glory to Rome. And it adds a lot of really cool, interesting, unique elements of its own, and really ends up standing on its own. Really brilliant game. If you can't get Glory to Rome, which most people can't, this is the next best thing, and that's a very good thing indeed. Import-export. That's actually import-slash-export. Then we've got Fantastica Rival Realms, which I just did a run-through for a couple of months ago. Sharp- Lovely little game uh, from Alf Siegert. It's um, it's him mixing. Oh, what was it? Uh, Fantastica, which is a, a whimsical fantasy deck-building game. He's done. With another game he did called Musee, which is a little puzzly tile laying or kind of a card laying game. He's taken those two things, mashed them together, and made something that is just charming as all get out. A fun, fast little filler, only for two, so bear that in mind, but it's certainly one that Jen and I enjoyed, Rival Realm or Fantastica Rival Realms. And again, you can check out my run through. Next up, we've got a game I know very little about. It's called Catalyst. And I, 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 it's a card drafting set collection game, I guess. It's from um, you know uh, designers I'm really not that familiar with. I, I mean, five people worked on this. And I'm sorry, designers, none of your names jump out at me. Although, if I were to check them all, I imagine there'd be some in there that are of interest. But I'll be honest. What really drew my attention was the description. where Because this game claims to be... Oh, where was it? Where was it? I'm now looking at the description. I can't find it... Uh, Right, uh, it's uh, discovering a new type of catalytic energy at the age of rebirth and the, the people who can exploit it. Right, Where was it? Oh, it, I'm building stuff for nothing. And, uh, uh, all right, I will do a search. Combo. There we go. The the reason I was interested in this is because it's a simple yet deep game of engine building and powerful combos. You will carefully build up your chain of actions, and then finally pull the trigger to perform them all at once! Okay, I'm interested. I've certainly played other games that do that kind of thing. The big build-up, the big build-up, and then... The payday, kind of like you know, building the perfect. You remember that old board game from our childhoods, Mousetrap? You know, it and then make it run. I love the idea of that. So, I'm honestly going in just based on the promise of that one sentence because that so tickles my fancy that Catalyst made my list of games to learn more about. And then after that, we've got Walk Star W O K Star um, from Tim Fowers. This is interesting. We played this, the uh, original, very, very in or tiny limited print run of it. We got a copy of it, and I thought it was really cool, but at the time, Jen did not care for it. It was the first real-time board game, board game she played, and she just found it to be far too stressful. We went from that then to Space Alert, which was even worse. So she was kind of turned off of real-time until, wait, no, 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 that's not true. She did enjoy Galaxy Trucker and then she fell head over heels, hardcore in love with Escape, Curse of the Temple. And now she's very comfortable with real time. So I would love to go back to Walkstar, our first attempt, and give it another try because I thought it was really clever. And apparently other people do too because it's in its third edition. This is going to be the third edition. I don't know what's new or different about it, but I do know the game itself is very sharp and worth seeking out. Walkstar. Then we've got Professor Treasure's Secret Sky Castle. Doesn't that sound delightful right there? Just the title alone. It's apparently a, uh, a you know it's a competitive puzzle game where we are I don't know how that works. We're racing to find keys, unlock treasure chests, get treasures and stuff like that. I don't know much about it, but I guess it really is that title. It, it you know, it feels very video gamey to me or kind of like um you know, like a Game Boy-style game, uh, you know, the, like ones i played in the past. And I'm intrigued. I want to know more. I mean, yeah, it's just a lovely title. Pro- Pro- Professor Treasure's Secret Sky Castle. Oh, sometimes I'm so shallow, folks. And I'm sorry, I would have done more research, but have I mentioned I don't have time? I don't have time to film this or record this right now, but I'm making time for you. So let's move on. Enough jibber-jabber. Next up, oh yeah, race for race to the Newfound Land, also known as Newfoundland. Race to the Newfound Land. I thought this came out a while ago, but I guess this must be its American release. I'm really bummed. I've wanted to check this out ever since I've heard about it, but I don't know much. It's uh, uh, tile placement work and plus worker placement uh, plus area control. I don't know. Maybe it'll uh, workforce. Maybe it won't. Uh, Z Man's bringing it over. Was it originally? Oh, what was the? Was it Hans and Gluck? Is that why I was interested in it? Because they originally published it, and they seem to have good taste? I don't remember now, but <laughs> I do know I'm very, very interested in Race to the Newfound Newfoundland. Um, and also, if I were there, I would be interested in the next game, Railways of the World, 10th Anniversary Edition. Railways of the World, for the longest time, was in my top 10... And I think it's still in my top 20, or maybe it's just recently gotten muscled out of my top 20. Doesn't mean it's still not an absolutely brilliant economic simulation of you know building up rail links and uh, transporting goods around. So smart, so brilliant, so elegant. The epitome of elegance, this game. I love it to bits. And hey, it's getting its 10th anniversary edition. I don't know, what does that mean? Is there going to be new stuff? Is there going to be repackaged expansions built in? I don't know. I already have it, so... I don't really need it. I'm just throwing this out there for you folks. If you have not tried Railways of the World, you're missing out. Of course, you can always check out my run through and decide for yourself. But let's move on to the next game uh, uh, Chaosmus or Chaosmos. I guess it's supposed to be like Cosmos, but Chaosmos, Chaosmos. Chaosmos. All right. Let's call it that. Um, It's another real-time game. Hey, I'm seeing a pattern here. A lot of real-time, puzzly, uh, action dexterity game where you're doing tile placement and pattern building with card drafting? That sounds like a bunch of stuff. I don't know. Could be cool. I'm not sure. Oh, wait. I am because it's from designer Kane Klenko, who is, I don't know, maybe after Alexander Pfister, the hottest new designer... Or in, 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 for my personal taste, anyway, to you know, hit the scene in the last few years. I mean, this guy has been batting a thousand with fuse and flatline and dead men tell no tales, uh, and you know, plenty more. I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. Everything he's done has been great, and so I expect very, very good things uh, about Chaosmos. I guess that's end with a K, by the way. Then we've got multi, a uh, universum which uh, is getting its American release, or its Western release. Uh, Originally, it was only available in Europe. And it's a sharp, fun, fast-playing little card-drafting game where you're trying to close portals that you've accidentally opened because you're a bunch of wacky scientists doing uh, card-drafting and with multi-use cards. And it's just a a sharp, clever, fun, little puzzly game. We liked it. Check out my run-through to see why. Uh, And that's multi-universum. Then we've got Fortune City. Which looks like another one of those tiny little box simple, light you know Asian developed games that's making its way over. I'll be honest, the reason I'm interested in it, um, you know I mean even though it sounds really simple, purchase your favorite item, build a characteristic building according to your purchase, develop your unique city, increase the population in your city and earn more coins that you can use to buy more items to build more buildings. I don't know that doesn't really tell me much. What well, does tell me something it's from Chief on Chen who designed what was it? Dairy? Oh, I've forgotten the name of it now. Uh, Mr. Dairy? A, a really neat little uh, dice rolling, fast playing game. Oh, what is it now? I'm I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. It, Dairyman. Dairyman was sharp. Oh, and his other game, Design Town, was very sharp as well. So I expect um, Fortune City to be sharp. Although if I were there, I'd want to go check it out in person first. And first. That's what you can do, folks. I'm just telling you what I would be seeking out. And the next one I'd be seeking out, at least based on the rankings of Board Game Geek users, would be Kick-Ass the Board Game. Now, i got to admit, I love the original Kick-Ass comic. I love the first Kick-Ass movie. The second one, not so much. I haven't read any more of the comic. So, I mean, I've got a kind of hit-or-miss history with the franchise, which is kind of builds itself as a gritty, more realistic look at... What a vigilante superhero-filled city would look like—you uh, know, basically just a bunch of people putting on tights and going out and fighting crime with no powers to speak of whatsoever. Um, you know, and it's like, what would that be like? And you know, it's kind of very dark humor and a bit silly and over the top. I guess it's not really realistic. It's still very heightened and surreal. But anyway, that's all beside the point, because just the fact that Kickass now has a board game is not what gets me interested. What got me—and in fact, I have to admit—I wasn't really interested at all. Because, oh, you know, at first glance, it's a cooperative game, but it sounds like, oh, it's maybe just some kind of battle skirmish thing where we're just, you know, moving through the streets, fighting um, bad guys, beating up punks and all that. Here's where they got my attention. Uh, um, In the description, they basically talk about, oh, travel to various districts, beat up minions, do good deeds for citizens, and try to keep your personal life from falling apart. It's that last bit that pulls me in. That there is an element in this that replicates the, you know, the 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 out of costume time. Now I'm intrigued and I want to see how that works because uh, it's going to be it, that implies it's going to be a lot more than just another co op em up. And that's why I am very interested. That one sentence. I don't know how you know. The, the, there's no description of how that manifests, but that's so rife. With potential, I would definitely want to learn more about Kick-Ass the Board Game. And then, next one, well, I know I'd want to get this. Deckscape Heist in Venice. I've already done videos for the first two Deckscape games, and I think people said I was crazy when I said, for my money, it's the best Escape Room in a Box series I've played so far, beating Exit the Game and Escape, Um, you know, those games. I think Deckscape is superior, and therefore... I want to play this game. I love their form factor. they're just literally a deck of cards. I think they do a lot with a little. I, I like everything about it and I want to play a new deckscape. so I'd want to pick up Heist in Venice. Next up, we've got Talisman legendary tales and I'm telling you folks, I will never ever play Talisman. I don't care how much you guys want Talisman for folks who don't know is an older design. Uh, competitive fantasy game that is really, at its heart, a multi-hour... What if Monopoly were fantasy adventure instead of economic city building kind of thing? Because you roll, you move around the board, your your main choice is, oh, do I move clockwise or counterclockwise? I don't know. I'm not interested. Never have been, never will be. But I'm certainly interested in a cooperative deck-building game themed after Talisman. Yes, yes I am. And so, I want to learn more. And so, that would definitely be something to learn about. It could be cool. I mean, I got nothing against the theme of Talisman. So, um, you know, and I would expect the developers of this loved it. So, does that mean something new and interesting for deck builders? I hope so. Let's learn more with Talisman Legendary Tales. But now, let's move on to one that I think just missed making my top 10. Mercado from designer Rudiger Dorn, who has really been knocking it out of the park lately. All of his designs have been really, really sharp. I've really liked them. And this one seems like a really simple, streamed, uh, you know, stripped down, streamlined, light family gateways type thing. Here's what I'm wondering, folks. Is Mercado going to be the splendor killer I'm looking for? You know, the game that offers really simple, easy, elegant, quick, tight gameplay but is actually compelling? I don't know, but Rudiger Doran would pull it off if anybody can, so I would definitely like to know more about Mercado. And then, even more, when... Oh, who was it? I think it was Mandy or Suzanne on the Dice Tower podcast mentioned, oh, it has uh, borrows elements from Spirium? Okay, now I'm really interested, because that was an absolutely brilliant worker placement game. So anyway, that's Mercado. Then we've got another one. Oh, folks, I'm so sorry I haven't had the time to do more research. You must forgive me. But anyway, let me keep on going with Shadows Amsterdam. i got to be honest. I don't know anything about this. Apparently, it's set in the modern-day real world, except it's an anthropomorphized um, animal version of Amsterdam where it's a real-time deduction spy exploration game with uh, you know uh, you know with a randomly generated board that you move around trying to solve crimes it has gorgeous looking cover art and from the art I've seen of the actual board everything about this looks absolutely gobsmackingly beautiful that's all I know I actually did take the time to try to watch a video of one of the developers explaining it and I just couldn't follow them and so I don't know anything about it but I know this is a Judging a book by its cover, and the cover looks great. I guess the only thing I'm worried about, it's two to eight players, and it does list party game in there, so maybe it's really not going to be that compelling as a two-player game, but I'd like to find out with Shadows Amsterdam. Then we've got one I'm very confident of, and hey, what do you know? Another real... Is this going to be the year of the real-time game? Did I just notice this? I seem to feel like I'm talking about a lot of real-time games here, including the next one on my list, Now Boarding. Now, this is one I've done a run-through for. It was on Kickstarter with an ugly, ugly prototype, but the gameplay was stellar as players cooperatively race against the clock to um, direct air traffic over America to pick up passengers and get them delivered in time. Really fun, high-stress, compelling game from uh, designer uh, Tim Fowers uh, of Burgle Bros and Paperback. Uh, you know, uh, Tim, you know, he's got a really great track record. This is a really sharp game. Everything about it is great. Go watch my run through to find out why. Then we've got Lucky's Misadventure, which is interesting. Uh, it's another deck builder. It's basically kind of a oh, we're trapped in a magical world, not unlike Oz, you know, and we try are trying to get back home, and we're doing it through deck building, and you know, because we're building up a deck of all the adventures and characters and and um, you know. Things we influence in this Oz-like world, and you know, maybe we win by getting back home, or maybe we win by becoming the wizard who controls Oz. Different victory conditions is interesting. Deck building is interesting. The cover art looks great, but here's what was really interesting. What really drew me in the I, this idea. This is a deck builder game where you draw your hand of five cards, and um, you don't wait your turn and then play them, and everybody watches. Everybody plays their hand at the same time. They choose in secret what they're going to do, and then they do simultaneous reveal. If you've ever watched my top 10 favorite game mechanisms, you know simultaneous reveal is one of my favorites. Mixing simultaneous reveal with deck building... That could be super brilliant, and so I want to find out with Lucky's Misadventures. Then we've got another game I covered a long time ago really sharp, fun little, really at its heart. It's a solo game, but Jen, yeah, I enjoyed it as a co op kind of the same way the ownerim games are really solos, but they work well as co ops. At least I thought so when you're talking about Super Hot the card game. Apparently, it's making its way over to America now. This seems like it's a real hit or miss with a lot of people. So definitely don't go in blind. Heck, watch my run through. And as always, don't pay attention to whether I liked it or not. Watch the run through, decide for yourself if it looks like fun. That specifically would be Super Hot, the card game, based on the very popular indie video game. Anyway. Next up, we've got Maiden's Quest. Now, this is one I just got in the mail the other day. And it's very, very interesting because it's another one of these games where you can play entirely in your hand. You don't need a table. You can play it standing in line at the movies or wherever you might be. Um, And interestingly, this is a game where you could play a little bit and then um, put the deck back in your pocket, and it'll save its progress and start playing again later. You may recall last year how much I raved about... What was it? Specifically, This War of Mine and Seventh Continent, two games that really did bold experiments with the idea of a board game where you can save your progress and pick up later... Maiden's Quest offers that. Maiden's Quest offers being able to play without a table. Maiden's Quest offers the idea of playing it cooperatively, competitively, or semi-cooperatively. And interestingly, you don't have to sit down with somebody else. You could be playing along, and you have friends who are playing the game. And you're just playing along, having your adventure... Um, By the way, did I mention the theme? I love the theme. Playing as a damsel in distress who decided she's not in distress, she is the danger and breaks herself out of her own tower using whatever she can find um, and fighting her way to safety. I love that theme. I love everything about this game. And um, so far, it seems pretty neat as a solo, but what's interesting is you can be playing as a solo, and then if one of your friends who's playing the game happens to join you, the game can just seamlessly transition into either a cooperative or a competitive game. And you can play together for a while as you're both trying to escape the tower, and then you can part ways and save your progress and pick up again later. There's a lot to recommend here. Very, very cool ideas. Uh, This is one that would probably just miss my top 10 as well. A Maiden's Quest. Then we've got Gearworks. Now, this is another one I did a run through for, so you can go check out my um, video when it was on Kickstarter. Very, very sharp, puzzly game with very, very tight, tight constraints that you are working under. I thought it was really sharp, and uh, yeah... I'd love to see how the final version of it worked out with Gearworks. Then we've got another game I've covered. Uh, man, this is definitely a theme here, isn't it? I guess that's why you watch my show, because you can learn about these games six months a year before they come out. Hooray! So anyway, go watch my run-through for Hardback. Another game um, from... Tim Powers, although he co-designed with his frequent collaborator, Jeff Beck. This is basically the sequel to Paperback, uh, where Paperback was a deck-building-meets-Scrabble-style game that borrowed from Dominion, Hardback borrowed from Ascension. And I thought it did a really cool job. I think these games can both. If you liked Paperback, you will like Hardback. And the toughest thing you'll think is, well, how can I choose which one to have? At which point, you'll just decide to have both, because they're really, really great. Fun deck-building beats, meets Scrabble-style words game, hardback. Check out my run-through to see more. Then we've got Railroad Rivals. Now, this game I am full of regret because they did offer to send me a prototype of it so I could cover it when it was on Kickstarter. And for the life of me, I don't know why I said no, because it went on to have a super big smash hit. And apparently, everybody loved it, and now I'm just sitting here like a chump, wishing I had picked up this um, you know, card drafting, tile placement, railroad running simulation. My understanding is the publisher, Forbidden Games, their whole thing is taking big, elaborate um, gameplay genres, like, say, the 18xx series... And distilling their essence and their core down into beautiful, elegant, fast little games that you can play in a gateway-style simulation. I gotta say, folks, that is a very that is a brilliant mission statement for a new publisher. And apparently, that's what Railroad Rivals does. And like I said, I'm still kicking myself for not having gotten on, you know, jumped on board sooner. So I would definitely seek it out at the show because it sounds like a very, very cool mix of kind of puzzly. Route building, and it looks neat. Then we've got the big score. And now this is another game. Heck, I, this is weird. I feel like I've I've covered this theme, you know, the uh, the high stakes bank heist a lot recently. As I what I just did, Rob and Run and Escape Plan, and here comes another one, the Big Score. Although this one is um, more about the planning for the heist and then pulling it off. Although the game, I guess, goes through several modes where in the early game you're doing minor heists to build up the perfect team so you can pull off the big heist at the end of the game. The main thing is it's from Van Ryder Games, and I've been really impressed by them. Uh, You know, was it Uh, Hostage Negotiator was great, Tessin was great. I, you know, I I think they're a good up and comer that you know are kind of flying under the radar, and they should get some more love and attention. And that's why I'm interested in their next big title, The Big Score. But then we got to move on to Queen Games Luxor, which was robbed uh, in the the uh, oh the, the Spiel des Jahres. Because uh, it was nominated. I, was it nominated for Spiel or Kenner Spiel? I think it was Spiel. Yeah, and I something else won. And fair enough. I'm sure whatever won was fine too. But Jen and I... We really like Luxor a lot. A lot, a lot. And more importantly, my understanding is not only is Luxor going to be at the show, but all of its expansions, which will really take it to the next level. Uh, You know, the same way, you know, all the little mini expansions that really take Fresco, also from Queen Games to the next level, Luxor with those expansions is going to become something. It was already good. I think it's going to become something really special when you get your hands on some of those things. So definitely one to check out, Luxor. Uh, Oh, by the way. Oh, man, I feel bad. Uh, it's a... Uh, well, I did a run-through for it. You already know all about it. It was nominated. Everybody knows about Luxor, right? It's it's a race game where you're trying to get to the heart of a pyramid really quick with some cool, very cool idea of hand management. Oh, and did I mention it's from Rudiger Dorn? I mentioned earlier, Rudiger Dorn can do no wrong these days. Luxor is one of the reasons I say that. Sharp, sharp game. Then we've got Shadowrun Sprawl Ops. And now I'll be honest. This is probably not going to be a game I particularly enjoy. I'm only pulled in because Jen and I love Shadowrun Crossfire so much. And so, I'd be interested to see if that love rubs off. Now, uh, you know, onto this, you know, spin-off game, you know, or, you know, this other dice rolling press your luck worker placement style game set in the Shadowruns universe. I mean, I I like dice rolling and press your luck in worker placement, and I I don't really care about the Shadowrun universe, but I like Shadowrun Crossfire. So, like I said, it would definitely be something to check out. Um, And interestingly, probably one of the things that's a bit odd about it, you know, from what I just said, it sounds like it's a fairly light game, but apparently this is like an hour and a half long game. So, that makes me assume it's going to be a bigger, heavier deal. So, once again, I'm kind of intrigued. What is Shadowrun Sprawl Ops going to give us? I don't know, but let's move on to the next one. Sailing Towards Osiris, which is, you guessed it, folks, another one that I have already done a run-through for. This is a very cool, very sharp worker placement game that kind of borrows elements from Egesia. You know, the notion that um, as we travel down the Nile, that kind of cuts us off from some of the worker placement actions we could have done early in the game. And so the game is kind of like a, a noose tightening around us, restricting what we can do over and over again, while also opening up new avenues for exploration at the same time. It's a really cool balancing act, and I think, if I recall correctly, what really impressed me about the game the most was how there's a big element of interplay between players that can lead to negotiation. And what Jen and I were really surprised was we found it viable as a negotiation game for two, which is totally unheard of. And so that's why Sailing Towards Osiris might be checking out. And also, while you're at it, not that they're the same publisher. Why don't you go check out Rising 5, Runes of Astros? Man, it must be over two years ago I did the Kickstarter run-through for this very, very cool game, a cooperative game, <clears throat> excuse me, that takes the childhood favorite game Mastermind and reimagines it um, you know, for a new era of gamers, mixing in worker placement and digital app integration so that nobody has to do the boring job of checking the uh, Mastermind guesses. Really sharp, really fun you want to know why? Go check out my run through for Rising Five. Then we've got another one. I'll be honest; I don't know much about this one. Uh, it's uh, Scarabia from Blue Orange Games, and you know, I'll be honest. Uh, Bruno Cathal—I mean, he's certainly a design darling these days, but he is really hit or miss with me. Not that his designs aren't really sharp, but just often they don't work for me or Jen. But I feel like I need to keep trying them. And this is another one from him. Actually, from him and his frequent collaborator, uh, Ludovic uh, Malblanc. So, they they know what they're doing. Blue Orange has really been on a tear, putting out really sharp games. You know, Most recently, the King Domino, Queen Domino games. So, I would check it out. Not really knowing anything about it. Maybe it would be a terrible mistake, um, but I suspect... High likelihood it's a good game. It's just whether it would be a good game for me and Jen. But here's one I am a bit more confident in. Railroad Inc. And actually, it's interesting. There's two uh, copies of it. Railroad Inc., the Blue Edition, or the Red Edition. As far as I know, it's just a different cover art, whether you want the blue or the red. But this is apparently a really... I know this is one of those. Uh, when I did my top 10 roll and rights recently, everybody's saying, you know, you really should have waited until you played this game because this is going to set the world on fire. I don't know if it is, but, uh, you know, I like roll and write. Actually, I'm not even sure if it is writing. It might just, no, no, no. I, 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 I'm pretty sure I'm remembering about it. Yeah, it is. Let me look. Okay, paper and pencil. So it's got the writing. Does it have the rolling? I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, railroad ink because it's like incorporated, but also ink, like you're writing. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. And uh, but I still would want to check it out because I like Roland Rights and I've heard really good things without hearing specifics. Railroad Inc. Then we've got uh, the game. Uh, apparently, it's getting uh, there's a very limited print run. There will not be very many of these. So again, run don't walk if you want to get this. If you've always wanted to try out the game and you've always been put off by wow that looks really dull and boring. Its presentation, its graphic design is just really crappy. This is a total graphical overhaul, adding cool artistic flourishes and whatnot, so I'd be interested in it. It is a cooperative game. I suppose it'll work well for two. has kind of a Hanabi vibe, sort of, I guess. It's one of these games where you can't really communicate openly with your partner. We've been generally pretty impressed by games that do that, and certainly it's gotten a lot of love ever since it was nominated for the Spiel des Jahres, so hey... If you're interested, like I said, there is, it says, a, quote, very bolded, limited number of copies of the game with new artwork. So, if that sounds interesting, now is finally, folks, that's your chance to check out the game. Then we've got Kitchen Russ. Another real-time game! Yep, it's it's real-time time, folks. That is what 2018 is going to be the year of. There were not this many real-time games last year when I did this. I am absolutely positive of that. This is a real-time explosion. But anyway, Kitchen Rush, already covered it. Really cool, cooperative, real-time, running a professional restaurant kitchen simulation uh, using uh, hourglasses as your workers. Really sharp, really fun. Neat, well worth checking out, Kitchen Rush. Now, next up, Lost Cities Rivals. And here's the deal. Uh, you know, Reiner Knizia. Uh, many people consider his greatest game of all time to be Lost Cities, because it's just such a perfect, perfect design. Simple, smooth, elegant. Uh, two players only. Uh, really kind of an abstract game with a with a exploration theme, where you're trying to build straights and suits, and there's a lot of tension, because if you don't play these cards, you've got to give them up, which means you might be giving to your opponent, and do they want them, do they not want them? Brilliant, brilliant stuff. And... Reiner is revisiting Lost Cities to give us a new take on the game, uh, which can actually now play up to four. uh, Lost Cities Rivals. I don't know how it works, but here's the thing. I was talking on the phone to uh, Tom Vassell the other day, and he told me it's definitely something to check out. Good enough for me, so definitely want to learn more about Lost Cities Rivals. Let's see. Moving along. Okay. What are we? We're up into the 60s now in Thumbs. And it looks like we've got... Yeah, we're actually making pretty good time. I think I'm about 75% of the way through. Should I stop and get a drink of water because my throat is getting parched? I don't know. Nope. Let's just power through. Let's power through after a quick cough break. <coughs> Excuse me. Where was I? Speakeasy blues. Okay. Okay. This is a dice rolling set collection style game. Uh, I love, you know, the speakeasy, you know, roaring twenties, thirties, you know, illicit gambling den setting. That all sounds very cool, but that's not why I'm signing up. I'm signing up because it's from Adrian Admescu and Daryl Andrews, and the last time these guys got together, they gave us Sagrada, which is brilliant. So I expect good things, big things from Speakeasy Blues, even though I know nothing about it. Uh, dice placement game. I love dice placement. I loved Sagrada, which was a brilliant dice placement game. So, definitely interested in seeing what the follow up to Sagrada is. But now, let's move on to another game. This kit was released at Essen last year. I did a run through for it. So, you can check it out. Very sharp game, Carthago. Uh, really cool um, you know, multi use deck building uh a card game of you know ancient Mediterranean civilization, you know building a thriving business type stuff just good solid rock solid fun, and you can find out you can watch my run through to find out why and why you might want to seek out Carthago and the same thing is true for Minerva, uh which is actually getting a, a complete and total makeover for its new reprint because this thing got a very limited print run originally. And uh, you know, again, you can go check out my run through for it. Really sharp, super tense tile placement game. I, I I don't remember what. I remember there was we had some issues with it. What was it? No, or maybe it wasn't. Oh no, no, I just got rid of it because, I mean, it's almost as good as Glenn Moore. In all honesty, that's saying a lot because Glenmore Moore is one of my favorite games of all time. It's an absolutely brilliant. Uh, Tile placement game, and Minerva is right up there with it. Don't get me wrong, it's a different style game, uh, but again, very tense, very clever, and it has kind of a similar feel. Go watch my run-through to see why. Oh, by the way, it's from uh, Hisashi Hayashi again. A brilliant, brilliant designer. It was a really sharp thing, and it's getting, like I said, a much more lovely reprint, and definitely worth seeking out. Although, don't take my word for it. Watch the run-through. Next up, yet another game. Wow. I'm really on the ball with Gen Con this year, folks. Uh, anything good at Gen Con? Well, I covered it months ago. Although, of course, and when I say anything good, I mean anything good within the parameters of what I find particularly compelling about games: Euroy, um, no player conflict, works well with two. But hey, if that's what it is, and it's a Gen Con. Chances are, I covered it a long time ago, including my next one on the list: Tiny Epic Zombies. Fun, fun, fun. You know, it's all. You know, it's a good game when it's a zombie game, and Gen will happily play it. Really sharp. My only complaint about this was... And man, I hope they fix this. Because I complained to them at the time. And in my video, it's just too easy. It needs a little bit more tweaking. Because i played it several times now, and I've never lost. And I've played it on the hard difficulty level and never lost. That's the only complaint, though. Definitely uh, fixable. And just a sharp, clever, fun, fast little game. Tiny Epic Zombie. A worthy successor to Tiny Epic Defenders. Um... Anyway, though, let's move on to yet another game I've covered, Steam Rollers. This one made my top 10. I think it made my top 5. Was it my number 2 or my number 3 best roll-and-write game of all time? Well, that's saying something, because I love Roll and right, and I love Steam Rollers. Uh, you can go check out my run-through of the prototype I had. The full deal is here. And um, from Stronghold Games, oh wow, I didn't realize that. Smart on them to pick this up, because this is a brilliant game. If you like Rolling Rights, if you like Rolling Dice, if you like 18xx-style games, but you would like one that you can play in under a half an hour and just have a fun, fast time, there's a lot to recommend with Steamroller. Uh, And the same is true for Paper Tales. A deck builder I did a run-through for at uh, Essen last year. Sharp, fun, fast-playing stuff. And interestingly, this is a deck builder that does have a little bit of take that. A little bit of player versus player. But implemented in a way that's really kind of nice and not really directly nasty. Kind of similar to how Seven Wonders implements its uh, player conflict, Jen. I really liked it. Really sharp. So much replayability, and I think this is an evergreen game. Now it's being picked up by Stronghold. It's going to get wider distribution. I know uh, expansions are being worked on for it. Just a brilliant, fun, fast little game. But again, a card game. Check out my run through to learn why. Okay, finally, a game I haven't covered. Um, man, this is I'm just riding a roller coaster here, folks. Let's talk about Spring Meadow. This is yet another game from Uwe Rosenberg that where he is coming up with different ways to implement Tetris-style tile placement. This one, the, the tiles are beautiful flowers, I guess, blooming after a harsh winter. Um, and apparently this is the last one. He's done. It's the finale of his Tetris-puzzly things. That um, And so, hey, I tried Cottage Garden. I tried Indian Summer. I tried... Um, Patchwork? I tried um, the... the... oh okay. the, the Viking one. I can't think of the Viking one. So I gotta try this one, right? Right? Of course I got to. So, definitely worth checking out. Just to see it through to the end. Spring Meadow. Then we've got Blue Lagoon. Oh, and now I'm regretting complaining about all these games I already covered. At least I knew about those games. I don't know anything about Blue Moon. But I don't need to know anything other than Reiner Kenitia. Yep, the guy. He is on a terror. Reiner Kenitia, Don't call it a comeback, folks. He's been here for years. And, uh, you know, knocking it out of the park time and time again. And I guess this is a kind of an abstract route-building game. I really like route-building games. And it looks beautiful. Not surprising, since uh, Blue Orange is putting it out. Yeah, it's probably going to be abstract, but so is Chin. And we really like Chin. So I definitely am wanting to check out Blue Lagoon. And, oh, you know what I talked about? My top 10 Carson City, the card game. By the way, folks, if you haven't had a chance to get it, you can pick up Carson City, the big box edition at the show. I got to admit, I would really like to get this myself because I've still got my original first edition copy of Carson City, which I love to death. You know, it was signed by Javier George, um, so I don't want to give it up, but... Man, this big box was such a cool deluxification of the original game with you know I like upgraded everything. So I really want it. But anyway, regardless, Carson City, one of the best worker placement games of all time. It's it's that simple. Um, so if you haven't ever checked it out, now's your chance. Go check it out at Gen Con. And um, oh, by the way, set in the old west, but I already talked about that with Carson City, the card game. Anyway, next up, we've got Newton, as in Sir Isaac. And Here's why it's on my list. It's from the guys who brought us Sulk in the Mayan calendar and uh, Voyages of Marco Polo and Lorenzo L Magnifico, Simone Luciani, and let's see, oh, and Nestore Mangone. Let's see, I don't recognize his name. I know I recognize Simone or Simone. Let's see. Nestore, what are you got? Oh, so he's new to the party. Okay, no, he worked on Expo, which was a nice game. Expo nineteen oh six. That was a nice game. But really, I am here for Simone Luciani, cause wow, I this guy when he is involved, I know it's going to be something special. I know it's going to be good. Uh, um, you know, Council of Four, Dungeon Bazaar. <clears throat> Ground Austria Hotel, forget about it. This guy is unstoppable. I, I, what did I mention? Um, Alexander Pfister, Kane Klenko, put Simone Luciani on the shortlist of hottest designers working today. And so you get him on board. You've got him working on a deck builder. I want to be there. I want to check it out. And uh, so that was Newton. And you know what, folks? I'm looking out my window... And I'm wondering, do I need to involve myself? No. They're smiling. They're walking on. Um, oh, it's a whole big story. But my brother and his girlfriend are here helping out. Um, oh, man. You know what? I need a drink of water. I'm going to stop for a second. I'm going to see what's up with Ryan and Sheila. Because I'm so thankful that they're here helping out with uh, me and Jen. i gotta put, I mean, I got to give you guys time, but i got to give them time, too. So hang on, everybody. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back, and publicly for the record, thanks very much to Ryan and his girlfriend Sheila for helping out. They've been really great the last couple days, been real lifesavers. But back to the list, folks. Gen Con is coming, so let's also mention, hey, there's some new Exit the Game games showing up, including the one I made a note of, Dead Man on the Orient Express, which sounds very cool. I mean, certainly what I'd love to see more of in these Escape Room in a Box is a stronger sense of narrative. Rather than, oh, here's just a place and a bunch of random disconnected puzzles you've got to solve. I mean, I love characters and whatnot. Uh, maybe this is going to be offering it in uh, Dead Man on the Orient Express and the other ones that are coming? I don't know. Doesn't matter, though. They're fun to play no matter what. So, yeah, I'll give them a try when I eventually get my hands on them. Then we've got Altiplano, the English-only edition. Hooray! As I said in my video for Altiplano, it's, it's basically Reiner Stockhausen's follow-up to Orléans. And for my money, it's the better game. Orléans still wins because it's got so much content now I haven't been around for a few years. Altiplano, though, I think it does have the opportunity to take its crown. And you might want to go check out and see why in my run-through. <clears throat> Ooh, this one has been getting a lot of buzz um what's it called gizmos wherein it's an engine builder where you're building engines i guess and uh there's something to do with 3d marble dispensers and something like that apparently the dice tower folks have been raving about it ever since they got to see an early version of it i don't know much about it sure i'll take a look Uh, phil walker harding man i really did like his baron park which seems to be uh catching on more and more and more as it should because it was an absolutely brilliant game so maybe gizmos is fantastic too rise of queensdale i'm happy to say i've already i got an advanced prototype jen i've played it all the way through And I talked at length about this in the run-through I eventually did for it. You know, the good, the bad, uh, how how does it hold up over multiple plays? Does it have legs, etc., etc.? Well, you can go find that out. But I can certainly report here that we enjoyed playing this Euro-style goods conversion dice worker placement game uh, with strong legacy components all the way from start to finish. And so you might want to check it out. Then we've got Everdell. Let's see. This is another one, folks. I'll be honest. It just has gorgeous art for the box cover. It's apparently another anthropomorphized animal, Euro-style set collection card drafting game uh, with workers. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember this now. Uh, This is another one where they did ask me if I wanted to cover it when it was on Kickstarter. And at the time, I don't know if I was too busy or if I just looked at it and thought, well, it, it seems fine, but I don't really see what's the spark that makes it special. But then it's another one where once it went on Kickstarter and I saw other people doing videos, like, oh, I get it now. That would have been cool. I wish I'd covered it. So i am certainly be interested in checking out the final retail product at Gen Con. And, hey, I talked earlier about the game. Well... That you got to talk about the mind then as well because it'll be for sale at the show. And was this the one that actually won the Spiel des Jahres? Oh, I don't remember. But boy, it sure is a game that people are talking about. Another one of these. Well, we all are trying to do the same thing, but we cannot openly talk or collaborate about what we're trying to do. And we have to hope the other player reads our minds. Abstract style game like the game, or and then we held hands or Hanabi for that matter. And uh, sure. I'll give it a try. Like I said earlier, I like these cooperate without being able to communicate openly. I mean, they create interesting brain teasers. The question, as always, is will it work for two? I haven't heard anybody talk about a two-player game of the mind. Uh, So maybe it'll have to be me if I get a copy. Not that I'm at Gen Con, but anyway. So then we've got The Reef. Okay. Uh, Azul is exploding. And this is Publisher Next Move Games' follow-up to that. From a different designer, different setting, different theme, but still basically a crazy, pretty, gorgeous production of a puzzly, abstract game um, with just the lightest sprinkling of theme on top. It worked well for Azul. Will it work for Reef? I don't know, but I'm more attracted to Reef because... Azul is mean. It is a mean-hearted game, You, especially as a two-player game, can really play really cutthroat. Uh, My understanding is that's not the case for Reef. It's much more live and let live, so I'm definitely interested in checking it out. Then, Century Eastern Wonders. Man, I have been talking about this ever since, um, well, it feels like forever. Century Spice Road really didn't do it for us we thought it was okay. It had some issues at the two-player count, which I expect would go away with higher players. Um, will Eastern Wonders, the standalone sequel, that can integrate and merge with the original game, will it fix my problems with the original game? Will it create an interesting exper- experience to merge two completely different games into one uh, you know, combined gameplay scene? Will it work on its own? I don't know the answer to any of these questions, but I'd sure like to find out. Let's see. Then we've got Brass Birmingham and Brass Lancashire. Gosh, these new reprints are so insanely gorgeous. If they'd been out at the time, I think they might have made my prettiest boards. They look so great. And I, I mentioned Birmingham first because Brass Lancashire is effectively the version of Brass we've always known and loved. With some some updates and tweaks Uh to the core formula from you know the uh, from Martin Wallace or at least Martin Wallace approved, um, but Birmingham is interesting because it's like a an offshoot game. I think it's still the same basic style of gameplay, but with some much more significant tweaks to the overall experience. So I'm really interested in that. Then we've got the Reckoners, which looks very cool and. This is something I actually have a copy of. They sent me a copy. It's sitting right here. Jen is not with me. I cannot play it. I cannot. I mean, I guess I could play it solo, but there's too much work to do, folks. This is um, something I'll be covering in August, but unfortunately, well after Gen Con is over. But in the meantime, I'm very, very interested in it because I love the setting. You know, a world where superheroes are all evil and regular people band together to try to overtake them, or, you know, because they've taken over the planet. Uh, I love cooperative games. Uh, So it could be great. One thing, though, I will say, it mentions here, there are only going to be 250 copies at the show. So you can pre-order, and if you don't and you want it, again, you better beat feet and get there early on the first day because this is probably one that's going to disappear very quickly. And speaking of that, another one that will sell out probably on the first day, doesn't matter how many copies they're bringing, would be Root. Which is the follow up to vast, which turned out to be a bit of a critical darling, this kind of super asymmetric euro style well actually, I mean uh vast was a well vast was a dungeon crawl where one player is the knight, another player is the dragon, another player is the goblin, another player is the cave itself, and another player is the thief trying to steal from all of them, and everybody has radically different experiences because they have different styles of gameplay, they have different objectives and they're all working competitively to come out on top. Root is the next game that does it and this one is more of an area control, land conquering game where one player is the current power of the land, another player is an upstart trying and, and another country trying to take it over. Another is a rebellion from within, another is I mean well there's a bunch of different things. They all play very differently. Uh and oh Did I mention they're all anthropomorphized, cute, cartoony forest animals? So, considering how popular Vast is, I expect Root will be hugely popular as well and will sell out very quickly. So, another one to seek out. Now, I have to admit, I would not be interested with this one at all. Because, really, at its heart, it is kind of a light war game. I am interested, though... Because I read, and they're not making a big deal about it. I think, actually, it was the publishers themselves that told me, because they said, hey, would you be interested in covering it? I said, no, I'm not interested in a light war game, no matter how cute or cool it is. And they said, yeah, but we've got a co-op mode. Oh, co-op mode? Okay, I'm interested. And it's weird, I don't see anything about it here. But that's what drives me to want to learn more about Root. And folks, we're at number 60, or number 1, or whatever you want to call it, with 371 thumbs, Palm Island, which i got to admit is amazing that it's ranked so high. I did a run-through for it when it was on Kickstarter. This is another game, like uh, Maiden Quest, that you can play entirely in your hand. Um, you know, so you can stand in line. Um, you, do, or you or you could sit. You could play it in bed or on the couch. You don't need a table. Uh, you can see how it works in my run through. It's you know typical Euro style goods conversion. You know upgrades, score victory points kind of thing. But it's done very cleverly, and I'd really be curious to see how the final game worked out. Because I did have a couple of issues with the core game. I thought it was really cool, but I I, I look forward to seeing the final of Palm Island. Phew, that's it, folks. That's 60 games. 60, count them. And now the question I have to ask myself is, am I going to go on ahead and do this now for the expansions as well? Uh, Because, well, my battery's almost dead. It's the end of the day. I don't have much time. I've got to get this done. What? Let's see, let's go on ahead and sort... Okay, I got 22 expansions. Let's uh, blitz this, shall we? And again, I I have no dog a horse in this race or no dog in this race. I've just sorted them by their by their hotness on Board Game Geek. So let's start at the bottom with the expansion for the big score, Crack the Save. I talked about the big score before. I don't have much to say about the expansion, but hey, if you're getting the game, might as well get the expansion. And okay, we've got the Queenies for Merlin. All these cool little mini expansions that are absolutely essential to to load the game up. Same thing for the Luxor expansions. Uh, definitely must pick those up, because those will really increase the game. Sailing from Osiris is getting an expansion as well. Governors and Envoy. Uh, Wu Tai Mountain. Wanted to check this out for quite a while. Motainai, done a run-through for it. It's another little uh, game inspired by Glory to Rome, and it could definitely use more cards if it wants to compete with Glory to Rome for dominance. Let's see, more Queenies for Luxor. All must have... Ooh, Dragonfire content. Yay! Um the big box expansion for Dragon Fire I am very, very excited about this. Is it um, Moonshades? I should have sorted this by alphabetical order, because these are all crazy out of order. But anyway, Dragonfire content, definitely worth seeking out. Tiny Epic Defenders of the Dark War, I already mentioned that in the main. More Mystic Veil, Twilight Gardens, hooray. Paper Tales is getting expansion. I know that's got a bright future. My copy of Near and Far Amber Minds has already shown up, but I can't play it. But if you didn't back it on Kickstarter, you can pick one up. Some content for the networks, like more executives... Uh, and our executives and more executives, sorry. Uh, we've got The Captain is Dead, Lockdown. Really surprised how much we liked it. I've heard mixed things about the first edition of Lockdown uh, that maybe it's not as great an expansion as it should be, but hopefully they will have fixed it up and tweaked it, taking feedback from the original edition. But yeah, if you love co-op and you love Star Trek, you got to check out The Captain is Dead. More for Clank, The Mummy's Curse. I guess this has been available for a while, but I, maybe this is its first retail outing. Role player Monsters and Minions. I was a bit disappointed by this when it boils right down to it. But it was still good. And even the monster thing didn't work for me because it was too much die rolling, which is ironic. Um, But I did like all the new um, equipment and whatnot that was added to the game and, and the cool new styles of dice. King Domino, Age of Giants. King Domino ultimately wasn't a keeper for us. Maybe Age of Giants would turn that around. Clank in Space, Apocalypse, hooray! More Clank in Space. Clank is a great system. I just want to see more funny, um, referencing in in-joke-type cards with Clank in Space, Apocalypse, and Scythe. Scythe, The Rise of Fenris, which, if there's going to be one expansion that sells out, it'll be that, and it'll be gone within the first hour of the show. So hopefully you've pre-ordered, hopefully you backed it when it was on Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, I probably never was on Kickstarter, but it'll be gone fast. So many people love Scythe. I've never played Scythe. I have no desire to play Scythe. I'm interested in this. So anyway, I put it on the list because it brings cooperative play to Scythe. That's very intriguing to me. I'd love to give it a try someday with uh, Scythe, The Rise of Fenris. Folks, I'm done i got to go back out and help my mom. Um, she's been without me long enough. My batteries are almost dead. So I'm going to say to everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back next month. Jen will be back. We'll have, I'm sure, a bunch of Q&A. As always, send questions to questions at rotto.com. I'll be doing top 10 revisits, games of interest, all the regular stuff. Um, but, folks, i got a jet. So have a good show. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. So long. bye, bye. bye.